We've all spent more time with family lately. It can feel like old times, but your mind is on the future too and what you can do to shape it. At Sandy Spring Bank, we work with clients to help them grow and protect their money with wealth management, trust services, and insurance so they can enjoy today and ultimately pass along their wealth. We believe real banking is a conversation. Let's talk about your dreams. Visit sandyspringbank.com wealth. Wealth and insurance products are not FDIC insured, not guaranteed, and may lose value. Yo, what's good, everybody? Welcome to Unfair Sports, where we take a pensive approach to the sports conversation. I'm your host, Jay, with your favorite co-host, Jimmy. Thank you for checking us out here on YouTube, as well as wherever podcasts are downloaded and listened to. While you're there, please like, subscribe, rate us, review us, and give us five stars. You think we deserve it? Let's give us five anyway. Yep. So, on today's episode of Unfair Sports, we're going to dive right deep in to all the controversies around our boy Brian Flores. The Super Bowl is this week. NBA action. A little fantastic. We're finally going to dive into that. And we're going to talk about some OU uh, rankings. Thanks to Stuart Mandel. Hit us up on the Unfair Fan Line, 430 901 1906. And let's know what you think of the show. Give us your strongest opinions and leave us the voicemail. We want to know what you think. Tell Jimmy how terrible he is at love doing me. his thing and how much you love me way more than him. We hate you. Or you can tell Jimmy how much you like him sometimes. You love me. And then you can tell me how much you hate me. We hate you. No matter what, go ahead and hit us up, 430 901 1906. Ah, Jam Master Jay's Dispensary. What's going on? Jay's Dispensary. What it do pay B? Man, we we, we switching it up. If you got an idea for a side hustle, you're welcome. Uh, uh, Valid point. Yeah, that's a good investment if you really think about it. If I'm able to figure out a way to get the finances together, I might be able to make a little bit of cheddar cheese (laughs) doing that on the side with the Jay's Dispensary. I wonder if there's actually one out there. If there's a Jay's dispensary, probably not. Even I don't know. There's a lot of people in the world that's name starts with the letter J. If we're talking about Jay's, like just nationwide, probably, but at least locally, maybe not. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. That's curious. I might, I might have to Google that because there's, of course, multiple ways you can do it. You can do the letter J with the apostrophe sign S. Mm-hmm. You can do like J A Y with the apostrophe. Mm-hmm. There's multiple. I guess options I could go with if I was trying. Exactly. So, huh? I mean, this is good for you. This is good for you because being unemployed, when you create a job for yourself, that's wow. called entrepreneurship or being an entrepreneur. So you just create one for yourself and then you'll have a job. I have a job. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Unlike you, Tommy. I do have a job. We know you ain't got no job. I just <laughs> came from my job. Why well, work? Right. Work from work, huh? You came from work, came right? From work, that yeah. you came from work. <laughs> I came from, you know, employment. Yeah. Yeah, man. I tried to catch you on the caller ID and all it says is work. <laughs> so I know it ain't real. But but yeah. speaking of work, Jimmy, mm. got one for you. I've got a curious question. I think this will be a fun conversation we can have here on the pod. So thanks everybody for tuning in or whatnot. Please hit share. Sharing is caring. Leave a comment, rate us and review us and all of that jazz. Jimmy, um, have you ever been in a circumstance where you send the text message to the wrong person? Yes, once or twice. Yes, I did. You have a story for us? I do not. The only story is, well, 
I, w- I was <laughs> I had one female friend that I meant to text, but I texted a different one. So I tried. So basically, I finessed that comment into making it seem like I meant it for the person who I didn't mean it for. And okay. I mean, it wasn't like a major comment, so it was you know something simple. So I was able to get out of it. I mean, it was simple, but it was it didn't fit the context of the conversation we had been having. So that freaked me out. Got out of it. Freaked me out. But I said to myself, from here on out, I will always look at the name before I send the text message. That makes sense, especially if it's someone who has the name of somebody else in my my contacts list. I'll make sure it's the right person if there's someone else with that same first name. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. that 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 is that is true. So, and it's funny (laughs) because uh, we had a story, of course, this past whole week. You know, so I was out most of last week on vacay. So, really, getting to talk about this like we really wanted to. Yeah. But our guy Brian Flores. In the is, is of course suing the NFL, suing some organizations, the Broncos, the Giants, and I believe it's the Dolphins in their lawsuit as well. Yes, they are. Okay, okay, I, have to, I couldn't remember. I, I looked at it, couldn't remember if they were all three in, but they were sue. He's suing them for racial discrimination in the hiring process. The one piece that was added to that, everybody has at least seen it by now. At least I hope everyone is listening and watching have heard seen this. At least by now, is that Bill Belichick sent Flores some text messages. <laughs> He sent them to Brian, <laughs> right? Exactly. In which it went to Brian Flores instead of Brian Dabble, the offensive coordinator and now head coach of the Giants. Mm-hmm. So, for context for those that are not initiated, he sent him and basically said, "Congratulations on the job." Flores is like, "Oh, you got some inside track. So you've heard something. It's like, yep, you're their guy. <laughs> blah blah blah. <laughs> oh, cool." Wait a minute. Do you know which Brian? This is Brian Flores, right? Oh, damn. This was supposed to go to Dable. My bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and this was before Flores had even interviewed with the Giants. Mm-hmm. So that's where the controversy comes in. I empathize with my man, Bill Belichick. Mm-hmm. I understand the pain of having people in your phone with the same first names. The mother of both my children have the same first name. <laughs> I've lucked out on that one, right? Yeah. yeah. That, that I guess that's the thing that I have attracted as a person. And you know, I if, if my buddy's listening to this, he's cracking up right now because he's been giving me shit about this like the last four, 15 years. Uh-huh. So I, if you're listening, Jim, don't say anything. I don't even want to hear your voice at this point. Oh, his name is Jim. Jim? His name is yeah. Jim. Yeah, my boy. Yeah, or yeah, Jim. my boy Jim. Yeah, Jimmy. another Jim. Like, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Multiple people I know have the same names, and I have a tendency of running across them. Mm. And I haven't had a circumstance where a text message was sent to the wrong person because I thought about that initially and made sure that the names that are in there are not the same. Mm-hmm. They go off the nickname that they're supposed to go off of. That way, that accident never happens. The last thing you want is send one woman a message that's supposed to be earmarked to another one Yep, and the world goes to an end. So with that, let's dive into this lawsuit, Jimmy. I think Flores may have something here. Mm -hmm. I watched the interview he did on Get Up with his lawyers and Mike Greenberg kind of talked through why he's doing it, why he felt like he needs to be, I guess you could say, a martyr in this situation, Mm -hmm. potentially throwing his entire career away. And his lawyers mentioned that litigation is 
usually the one way to get things to happen because of obviously the Rooney rule isn't working. So Jimmy, what's your thoughts on this lawsuit that uh, Flores has decided to uh, to dive into in order to try to stimulate some change in the NFL's hiring process? I think that there are some, I think that the majority of what he's saying, if not everything that he's saying is definitely true. I tend to lean in that direction. Now, I know that this has to be litigated in the proper way and that we shouldn't be fair to the organizations, just like we wouldn't want someone to be unfair to Brian Flores and say that these are without merit. But part of what the reaction was, a lot of times the reaction will tell you whether or not someone has guilt or some guilt to what they're being accused of. Because if you'll notice, each organization that he is suing, the NFL, the Denver Broncos, the New York Giants, and the Miami Dolphins all categorically and vehemently deny all claims. (laughs) So either Brian Flores, who was one of the most respected men, let alone coaches, men in the NFL, known to be honest, trustworthy, and morally upstanding, either he is choosing to lie about all these things as he's trying to get a job in the NFL, or there is definitely some wrongdoing on the part of these organizations. And the NFL's response was unbelievably disgusting. And the reason why is this. this when his claims came out, when they became public, before any investigation or any litigation had been done, within two hours, the NFL released a statement that said these claims were without merit. How... The NFL is as great of an organization as they can be and as smart as they can be. They do tend to make some really dumb mistakes that make them look even worse. And this was one of them. How would you even know that these are without merit unless you have investigated them? And what they said last thing, what they said to clean that up was that, oh, we were talking about this part of the of the allegations, not everything as a whole. Like, okay, NFL. Nice, nice try. Nice damage control, but you've already screwed up. Yep, they had to reel it back in. They had to reel it all back in. And you're right. I think the thing that jumped out to me was because it only took them two hours to have to, to throw that response out there, someone sent them a message and said, hey, we messed up. I'm wondering if it was Robert Kraft that sent a message to the league and said, hey, Belichick did this. It's coming down the pipe. Watch out. Our bad. We screwed up. Mm. Somebody had to tip them off because there's no absolutely no reason for them to come out with anything until they investigate. Why would you not wait for at least some sort of due process to go through before you make a response? So you're exactly right. That was ridiculous for them to even respond. Then, of course, they backtrack. Roger Goodell puts out a, you know, sends out a memo to all the teams saying we need to do better, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. I get it. The problem is, is that the issue isn't the NFL. It's the 32 owners that own the team. Mm-hmm. They own the league. Like a lot of people don't understand that Roger Goodell does not have as much power as you think he does. No. Roger Goodell works for the owners, and his job is to keep organization and eliminate as much chaos as possible for the owners and make them as much money as possible. That's his job. Mm-hmm. If they want to, they can fire his ass tomorrow. <laughs> He's done a really good job making the money, so it's really hard to justify firing someone that's got the relationships you need to keep that 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 money that that money um machine going oh. you know he's making he, he's printing money for them basically but the nfl does have a problem and i and i think that flores is right i i believe that he was potentially discriminated against 
And the problem is, is it's systemic, but the solution isn't as simple as we're trying to say it. So like, for example, one of the big things a lot of people was mentioning and his lawyers mentioned in the conversation with Greenberg is that there's no minority. Well, there's only one minority owner. There's no black owners. Um, you got Shaq Khan with the Jags, but you have no black owners. And then the Packers are owned by like 48,000 people or something like that. <laughs> you have, you don't have any minorities to, that own the team. The biggest problem you have is, is that there's what eight or nine black billionaires. And we know every single one of them. Mm-hmm. Well, Monty Jones was mentioning this on last week's uh, Foxworth Friday, Friday with uh, Downey Foxworth. And he made some valid points with, we know all the black billionaires. We most of y'all don't know who the white billionaires are that own these teams. I do because mm-hmm. I, I I'm fascinated by it, so I know who they are. But there's not enough of them to go out and buy teams. There's not enough of them with money that can go out and buy teams and represent teams. That's the one thing. The second problem you run into is you get one black owner in there. You think he's going to only hire black people? How does that look? Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Then everybody's going to complain about that. Oh, it's so unfair. They're discriminating against white people. They're not allowing white people to interview. And it's like, no matter what, it's a lose-lose scenario. It's so systemic and so ingrained. I don't even know if there's truly a solution for it, honestly, in the next 20 years. It's going to take time to slowly break that down for as owners slowly leave the league and you get to a point where you can have at least four or five owners that are black, then you may have an opportunity, but you got to find some black billionaires that are into football that want to spend two to four billion dollars for a team jimmy imagine spending two to four billion dollars on i mean i mean we can't imagine it. we broke <laughs> uh, no sir people two to four billion dollars on a team that's how much it's going to cost to get one it's not going to be cheap it's not going to be easy so the biggest issue in all this is that there are so many layers that have to be peeled back that the unfortunate thing is, is that you got to just hope and pray that some of these white owners will hire some black general managers, at least more of them, so that we can have the opportunity to see some of these black coaches get jobs that aren't cleanup jobs, like our boy that we just got hired in Houston. So, mm-hmm. well, so all right, so for you, um, I don't know because I know that this is probably going to drag itself out at least for a year or two because big cases like this with very public allegations that involve multiple billionaires usually aren't going to be resolved by next week. It's going to take a lot of time. There are going to be a lot of, you know, that what I'm really interested in is, is the people who get deposed for this in order to give statements, in order to give information about if there was some guilt. So like for instance, you, instance, you talked about Bill Belichick. And I, for some reason, I think that is just so funny that someone like him who is so meticulous when it comes to paying attention to details is a part of this, a part of something that you would never, ever think that he would be a part of. So, you know, it's going to take a while for this to go ahead. I think he did it on purpose. You know, and, th- and there are theories that he did, you know, and I love a good conspiracy theory too. Go ahead. Give us one. And yeah. I am on that boat of that conspiracy. Right, so theory. What do you think? I really think he did it on purpose. Okay. Why? What was his motivation to do this on purpose? Because he had the inside track that uh, Brian Dabble Dabble had got hired before they even conducted the actual interview with Flores. Mm-hmm. He probably saw it as morally wrong because Flores and Dabble had was underneath him at one point. Yeah. Those are his guys. He he liked he loves Flores a lot. He didn't like seeing him go to Miami. But he loves him a lot, and 
because of that, he saw that that is a bigger issue than, than being talked about. Mm. And so he went ahead and kind of threw a little bit of, threw a log into the fire to get it started, kind of, kind of helped get the kindering and everything going or whatnot. So that, that's my thought. Like I said, I, I'm all about a good conspiracy theory. I think he did it on purpose mm-hmm. to help his boy, Brian Flores, see that, hey, man, that interview you're about to do, it's a sham. They're going to lie to you. No matter what they say to you, it ain't going to be true. I mean, the Belichick piece, like, really, it's not going to be that useful unless there is some type of, like, how he received. They're going to ask him when they bring him in, okay, where did you get the information from that the team was going to hire Brian Dayball in this days before they were set to interview Brian Flores? So if it wasn't substantial in the Mm. sense of he got it from maybe, you know, John Marr himself, or someone like that who said, we are hiring Brian Dayball. If it was, we really love Dayball, or we're really leaning towards him, or he's probably going to get the job, then it's not going to be useful because that's not them saying, and it's not them in print saying, or through audio saying that we're going to hire him, even though they're set to hire Brian Flory. So as interesting as that deposition video is going to be, especially when it gets uploaded on YouTube, like a lot of other famous people's depositions over different things, I don't think it's going to be that useful But at the same time, I think that despite that, this is like all the issues. And we've talked about this before. and We've made jokes about it. It's something that we all kind of know or talk about or think about when it comes to sports in the black community. Like you talk about that black coaches always get these cleanup jobs, that they get fired within a year, that they're put in unfair circumstances where they don't have their quarterback, yet they're expected to go deep into the playoffs. So it's like all that just comes to a head. In this particular in this particular case, everything that we've seen and everything we've talked about. As a matter of fact, I don't even remember how we got this or how we got on this, but didn't we know that Stephen Ross and the Dolphins wanted Brian Flores to tank games and he said no? So we knew this like yes. how do we know that? I don't remember how we knew that, but we talked about this. How do we know that? We were tanking for Tua at the time. Yeah. Remember, he got hired before Tua was there. So it was a preparation to get a quarterback that they wanted so we knew that we knew that the minute that Flores got there they hired him to tank Mm -hmm. they hired him to lose games and that's what happens with majority of the black coaches that we see taking all these jobs we'll probably talk about a little bit later but Lovey Smith's getting this Houston job David Culley had this 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 job with the Texans right Mm -hmm. he got hired there to lose he got fired because he didn't lose he didn't lose enough yeah he was enough. They needed to be lower, and he they thought that bringing him in, they would be bad, and then they could easily make him the scapegoat and go forward. And no, now, now, unfortunately and unfortunately for them, they're paying him $22 million to go away, which this is Cully's biggest payday, but Cully's <laughs> been around for 30-plus years, and he finally got the opportunity to be a head coach, and he actually showed that he's capable. He was winning games that he was not supposed to. Mm-hmm. But this is the common trend that we see in the NFL, and the problem is, is that no matter how much we try to get this to be fixed, what this Flores lawsuit does, as as much as I appreciate him putting himself out there and falling on the sword for everyone and bringing this to light, all this is going to do is make the owners be a lot more careful about all the sneaky shit they're doing in the background. Mm-hmm. Right. So we want to continue to operate the way that we do, but we're just going to have to do it differently. Like, I mean, I mean, racism, you know, operated that way at once. Okay. So we can't call you an N word to your face, but there are certain things we can do to exclude you or make it difficult for you to advance, which is, which is coming out of how we think about you and how we've always thought about you. So I, I do agree with you. Yeah, right? yeah. exactly. Now, yeah, exactly. So 
We'll see where the lawsuit goes. We'll keep tabs. Of course, we'll talk about it more here on the show. So keep your eyes open with that. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of Ookla speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of Ookla speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022, and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. All right, we do this every Monday when we come here on Unfair Sports. Jimmy's going to provide us with the news. And now, Jimmy has the news. <laughs> ah, nice reading, Wendy. All right, so Jay, just what we were just talking about, the Houston Texans, uh, they are expected to hire... Lovey Smith as their next head coach. Of course, it's told Adam Schefter and Phil Yates. Uh, you know, I remember Lovey Smith, Jay. He was previously an NFL coach with the Chicago Bears. Took them to a Super Bowl with Rex Grossman and the coach of your Tampa Bay Buccaneers for one season in 2014-2015. Yep. He boasts an 89-87 record as an NFL coach and was the 2005 AP Coach of the Year. So it feels like he may look out and become the NFL, uh, our version of a Jeff Fisher. Uh-huh. He's going to be a mediocre coach who keeps getting chances, and I'm here for that. Um, the only thing for Lovey Smith to pay attention to is be careful who you hire an offensive coordinator. Because if you hire the wrong offensive coordinator, they're going to think he's going to get hired by somebody else as the head coach. They're going to fire you after one year and give him your job. So watch yourself. Well, I mean, part of what I worry about with him is the same thing with David Culley. If Deshaun Watson is not going to be your quarterback and you're not going to be able to bring someone else in, because why would a good quarterback want to come to that program the way that it is right now? How can he be expected to be successful just like David Culley? And just like David Culley and just like Romeo Cornell before him, why would we expect anything other than him being fired within one to two years? So it kind of seems like a lose-lose situation in a way. It is. Yeah, I see you there. I think the only thing is, is that... Lovey Smith does a great job without a good quarterback. Yeah. He does really good with defenses. He did it in Chicago, so we'll see what it looks like next. All right, we'll see. What else we got? All right, up next. Uh, so last week, Jay, I told you that Monty Williams, the coach of the Phoenix Suns, was going to coach Team LeBron in the All-Star game. Well, now we know who the coach of Team Durant is going to be, and that is none other than Miami's Eric Spolstra. Uh, he will coach the team in the All-Star game in a little less than two weeks as the Heat thanks to a loss by the Chicago Bulls to the Sixers yesterday on Sunday, have uh, captured the best record in the NBA through February 6th. So we know Spo, uh, the Heat are 34 and 20, number one seed in the East so far this season. Uh, one of your favorite teams in the East and one of the most dangerous teams, I think, in the NBA. So he will be coaching against Monty Williams. Yeah, oh yeah. I've, I've, I've been on the Miami Heat train since uh, the bubble. Yeah, you were the first. Um, I thought everybody was going to be great that year. Yep. And I told them they were going to be bad the next year. I said they'll be back this year. And 
we go. Looks like I got pretty good with predictions. And I mean, in post LeBron, post victory with Miami, he's really proved himself to be a really good coach. Because honestly, when you have that collection of talent, it can be somewhat difficult to tell just how good you are as a coach. But to have to rebuild that program and get it to where it is now, to where they have a legitimate shot to get back to the finals, I mean, I think that proves that Spolstra, going from a video assistant to now coaching in the All-Star game and on the brink of making the finals again, hopefully, uh, he's a really good coach. Uh, so sticking with, yeah, sticking with the NBA All-Star game, Jake, we've got some injury replacements. Uh, Kevin Durant and Draymond Green due to injury are not going to be able to play. So they're going to be uh, replaced by LaMelo Ball of the Charlotte Hornets and one of my guys, DeJounte Murray of the San Antonio Spurs, who no one cares about, but that dude can hoop. They're going to be your two injury replacements and will be available to be chosen when they do the draft, which I think might be later on this week. Uh, between LeBron yeah. James and Kevin Durant. So, uh, do you like those injury replacements, or do you think that maybe somebody else should have squeezed in there? Uh, I think it's fine. Uh, the Mellow Ball was one I, I believe was going to have to be there. Yeah, I, I like the two selections. I mean, LaMelo especially, you know, I think he's definitely going to be in this game from here on for like the next 10 years. Usually when you have a young player who, you know, stats-wise are not quite there yet, but we know that they're going to be really good to great. Sometimes they have to kind of pay their dues and maybe not make the All-Star game for their first couple of seasons, which is what was going to happen to LaMelo. But because of this, he's going to be in there, and I don't see him not being in this game for the next 10 to 12 years because his style of play is that exciting. I mean, he's what the NBA All-Star game is all about. Him and several other plays, and I think DeJounte Murray has quite a bit of that as well. So it should be fun. Yeah, it's true. I was, I was hoping Shake Yusuke Alexander would get it, but I think because of injuries, he's probably not going to get right. selected too. So. Right. We'll see. Is that it? Is it news? And that was Jimmy with the news. Thank you, Bob. All right, Jay. Uh, sticking with the NFL, it is finally here. The biggest week of the NFL season, perhaps outside of the NFL draft, and that is the Super Bowl. The um, the most watched event in I mean in the country throughout the year in sport in sport period in sports. <laughs> no in, 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 in television in television period, period. Yeah, not sports television uh-huh. okay. yeah yeah so you have as you know the Los Angeles Rams playing host to the Cincinnati Bengals SoFi Stadium uh what is it six thirty Eastern time on Sunday so we have our Super Bowl matchup Matthew Stafford versus Joe Burrow Aaron Donald versus the whole offensive line of the Bengals. Um, this is shaping up to be a really, really good matchup, and I think could be a memorable game, one of the more memorable Super Bowls that we've seen. We know that, Jay, at least we're not going to get a 13-3 Super Bowl like we had several years ago between the Rams and the Patriots, so it should be very exciting. So in this game, and this is typically how we like to break this down from a football standpoint, from a on-the-field, from a sort of a nerd standpoint as two NFL lovers who love the product on the field know the game well. So we're looking at three keys to victory for each one of these teams, Jay. So you can start with, yeah. with either team that you want. So we can either go give me all three for each team or we can go one by one, bouncing back between teams, kind of whatever you want to do with it. But which team would you like to start with? I think we should bounce back and forth. Okay. Um, we'll start with the team with the best record, the Rams, and then go, of course, Bengals from there. But okay. before I say, before we do that, you know what's so fascinating about the Super Bowl? is that no matter who's playing mm-hmm. we gonna watch it oh yeah it don't matter like it's the one it's the one event of anything we will watch regardless of who is actually on the set 
We're going to find a way to watch it. It is a holiday. Like, honestly, if the feds want to do something that we would all love, they need to make the day after the Super Bowl, that Monday, a holiday, a federal holiday. Yes. That would be the greatest thing ever. Majority of people will take off regardless. <laughs> That's something that should go down. Because I'm looking at this. Top 30 TV, top 30 view shows in history. You ready, Jimmy? Yep. All but two are Super Bowls. Mm-hmm. Like at number 22, you had uh, Leon Spinks versus Muhammad Ali, 90 million. <laughs> big, I never, never would have guessed that. And then number nine. What do you think number nine is? Uh, the final I will episode. I'll give you a hint. Okay. No, no, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. The, the, either the final episode of Seinfeld or the final episode of MASH. It's MASH. Good job. Uh, uh, yeah. Yes. MASH had yes. 105 yes. million viewers in 1983. So uh-huh. everyone loved MASH. Goodbye, farewell, and amen. Like, I I didn't really watch much MASH. I I'm ready to go back and rewatch some of those old shows. <laughs> but yeah, but my point is the Super Bowl, regardless of who's playing, we're going to watch that bad boy and we're going to have fun doing it. We're going to find a way to enjoy it. Period. And it's just the, the NFL is a machine. And that's kind of where the last topic we had makes it so difficult is that the, the NFL is such a machine that mm-hmm. it's kind of hard for us to even find a way to take it down. Like it's, it's going to be <laughs> almost possible. So anywho, mm-hmm. Let's talk about the top threes of both teams that they would need to do to win this Super Bowl. Okay. You ready? Yeah. Rams first. You want me to start? Yeah. You go one. Yeah. All right. Rams. Number one thing. They need to do in order to win this Super Bowl. Get Joe Burrow, Aaron Donald, Von Miller. Find a way to just keep the pressure going. If you get pressure with four nonstop, game's over. Flip, flip, flip. <laughs> Game over. It's done. It's done. Deal. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, I would say my first thing is, and that's that's a really interesting one. That's a good one. Um, is exploit the Bengals' run defense. When I looked at traditional team stats, a few basic stats for each team, they're very, very similar when it comes to offense, but the difference happens when it comes to defense. When it comes to defense, one team, the Rams allow 286 yards a game, the Bengals 395, so almost 400, versus the run, the Rams average 54, giving up 54 yards a game, whereas the Bengals 127. So what does that tell me? That tells me to exploit the Bengals' run defense. And I think first and foremost with Sony Michelle, who, because Cam Akers is coming back from injury, and you saw those fumbles that he had against Tampa, almost fumbled the back, should have lost that game. I would trust Sony Michelle, who has actually, the last time the Rams were in the Super Bowl, he was a Patriot, right? So he's yep. irrespective. He's been in this game before. So you pound him. Uh, Cam Akers, if Daryl Henderson against the Rams, yeah, if Daryl exactly, ironically, if Derek, I'm sorry, if Daryl Anderson Jr. is available to play, you run him some as well. I mean, there are other reasons why you want to pound the rock, but pound the rock and exploit this Bengals run defense. That's number one. Okay, what's the okay. so, so? What's the second thing? The second thing the Rams must do as a key to victory. The second thing the Rams must do is keep. Cooper Cup open. You don't want Matthew Stafford throwing the ball to everybody. You want him to get Cup more often to keep the defense busy so other players can get open. But Cooper Cup, honestly, he's he he might be the MVP this year because he was just doing ridiculous things to get wide open. He's their best weapon. Love OBJ. I think OBJ is ridiculously good. Mm-hmm. He is maybe their number three receiver if if uh, if Woods was was healthy. So because of that. Focus on Cooper Cup. 
find a way to make sure that he is somewhere in open space to at least make catches. Mm-hmm. I think that will keep Stafford calm and he won't throw away the game. Get it to Cooper Cup. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, I definitely agree with that. My second one, actually, it, it's a, it's kind of a part of what you're talking about. And mine is this. And what I'm going to say this is going to sound counterintuitive to what I just said as far as pounding the rock. But I think the second thing is to for Sean McVay to not call a pass game to save Matthew Stafford from himself. You know, don't call plays <laughs> to where to where Matthew Stafford knows that he doesn't trust him in the biggest spot. Because like it or not, and I know, you know, Matthew Stafford, he has had passes in this playoffs where he is trying to sell the bag. But the truth is, without his arm, they wouldn't be in this spot. He has six touchdowns and one interception in these playoffs. Would he want to have some throws back? Could he have done better? Does he look like Detroit Matthew Stafford in spots? Yes, but I think you want him completely confident and to feel completely trusted in this spot. Because if you don't, he's going to get in his head too much. He's going to think too much. And that's what's going to help to create some of those turnovers that you don't want. So I think that McVay, you know, call a confident passing game. You don't have to go crazy because this is the Super Bowl and have him throwing 70-yard bombs every other play. But call a passing game to where he's comfortable with it, to where he's confident, but to where he can do what you brought him in for, which is to give you that extra spark through the air that Jared Goff could not give you. I mean, you're right. I, I, I give more credit to Cooper Cup for those uh, plays that saved them in the playoffs. But, yeah. you know, I, I get what you're saying. Yeah. So my third thing is, is uh, what's, which is, you know, pretty funny, it's complete opposite of you, is don't trust Matt Stafford to win this game. <laughs> oh, come on. Don't. I have – I I like – Matt Stafford as a talent. I've said it for years. I think he is a talented arm. I think that he is a capable quarterback. He makes the wrong decisions. And Cincinnati has shown us against Kansas City, Uh, they know how to make the right adjustments to screw up your quarterback. And I promise you, they have been thinking about ways to get in Stafford's head the last two weeks. And if that's the case, if you try to trust him in this game, mm. he's going to make some mistakes. And don't make the dumb mistake of letting Eli Apple get an interception in this game. <laughs> Dog, Twitter's going to blow up. They may have to shut down the dang website if he <laughs> makes a play. So, And Stafford has done a good job of finding ways to try to give games back. So don't trust Stafford to do his own. <laughs> McVay needs to be the quarterback, and we've learned it. We've learned mm-hmm. it in these playoffs. <laughs> I hate it. He needs to be the quarterback and just let Stafford have the arm strength that Jared uh-huh. Goff did not have. That's my third thing. You want to know what your problem is, Jay? Oh, <laughs> Here's your problem. The problem oh, is once my, you my, my problem. Yeah, your problem. Once you stop trusting a player, you never trust them again, no matter what they do. You're right. You're right. You're right. <laughs> Which I mean, there is no merit to that. It's not even that. The problem yeah. is, and, and with that, it's not it's not that. It's we had 13 years of data. Mm-hmm. That's it. I would not say this about Joe Burrow right now. Uh-huh. Honestly, I wouldn't say it about Tua. I wouldn't say it about the younger quarterbacks because we don't have enough. I would say it about Russell Wilson. I would say it about Staff. When you have data, perfect example, Tom Brady. I don't bet against him. Why? 
because I got 17 years of data telling me don't be stupid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but see, but that, that but with Matthew Stafford though, that's 12 years of corrupted data because he was in Detroit mm-hmm. where careers have gone, great careers have gone to die. Now I know what you're gonna say. You're gonna say that you've seen some of those Detroit Stafford tendencies throughout the Rams season. And yes, that is there. And yes, the majority of the time when you no longer refuse to trust the player, you are right. But I think that in certain circumstances, in certain spots, especially new spots, I would like to see you open yourself up more to trusting a player or two because they might actually have gotten over what caused you to distrust them. You know, he had Megatron in his prime, right? Yeah. And they made the playoffs twice and Stafford couldn't make it happen. So that's all Matthew Stafford's fault? Go look at the numbers. Go ahead. He's got his piece of the pie. He's got his piece of the pie. I'm just saying that that's not all Matthew Stafford's fault. But anyhow, my what, what's funny is my third point actually is in agreement with what you said, and that is this. We've seen what the Cincinnati Bengals can do in terms of halftime adjustments to probably the best offense in the NFL. So I think for the Rams, I don't care how the first half went. If you go up 27 to 0, 30 to 3, do not have the same game plan when you come out of halftime. Already have that second game plan ready to go. Hell, the Super Bowl schedule does it for you. First week, we don't have any of the media stuff, which was last week. Come up with the first half game plan. Second week, this week, come up with the second half game plan. Super Bowl, use both of them. Do not go in there in the second half with that exact same game plan on either side of the ball that you have because I don't know what it is about Cincinnati, but they diagnose it, they figure it out, and they clamp you in ways you never saw coming. So please, Rams, please, Sean McVay, as creative as you are, you're supposed to be the genius, the wonder boy, have a second game plan ready to go after that 50-minute halftime. Since we got like 10 10 performers. Yeah, the defensive coordinator said Lou uh, and Arumo, he's Uh pretty freaking fantastic, obviously. So that's something to make sure like you nail on the head. You go out there and do good in the first half. You better have a whole news game plan, like that, which I think McVay will be prepared for that. That's the good thing. He's he. You can tell he's pretty prepared when it comes to that stuff. So yeah, um, it's the Bengals. Bengals. Three keys to victory. Earth, three keys to victory for the Bengals. Number one, lean in on the run. Put hmm. put it on the back of Joe Mixon, and on the back of Samaje Ryan. <laughs> the Rams do not have a good run defense. The yes, numbers may make you think that. They don't. San Fran was running all over them. Was not running the it down their throat. Not in the last game. Running down their throat. Not in the last game. Running it down <laughs> They have, throat. but not they in didn't. the last game. They was filling the box knowing because uh, Jimmy Garoppolo was the quarterback. <laughs> but those 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 games, those those six games prior, they were running it down their throat with, with a quarterback, with C.J. Bethram and – yeah, mm-hmm. run it down their throat. With Mixon, with Pirine, you will be just fine in this game. Control the clock. Keep Stafford off the field. Um, even though I he's questionable for me as a quarterback overall, he's good, not great. He still has a rocket, so you don't want him on the field. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. keep them off the field. That's one. Okay. Uh, for me, I would say with this Bengals team, have fun. Play loose and play free because that's exactly what you've been doing throughout the playoffs to the point to where your quarterback gets sacked nine times and you don't even care. You're just still out there having fun and you find a way to win because you don't get tight. You don't let the pressure overwhelm you. Now, in this spot, I mean, there's nothing like the Super Bowl. 
you know, you would hope if you're Zach Taylor that the team doesn't choose this game in these moments where the pressure is at its highest to then get tight and start playing outside of themselves. But I think they need to continue to play with that. You know, in the NBA, Jay, and you'll see this the more you watch uh, basketball now that football season's coming to an end, is the Memphis Grizzlies. They're just like them, this young, upstart team, swaggy. They play loose and free with house money. They're out there having fun and just pissing off all the veterans who can't find a way to keep up with them. So the Bengals need to maintain that because the Bengals, they don't know that they're not supposed to be here. Joe Burrow does not know that he's not supposed to do this as a number one pick by year two. So so they're out there, I mean, just being young and having fun. And they've got to continue that spirit or that culture of the team if they want to win this game. That's a good point. Number two, yep. the second thing that the Bengals need to do to win this game, contain Cooper Cup. If you make Stafford start focusing on other people, like forcing the ball to OBJ, because, you know, mm-hmm. we got to get OBJ the ball, mistakes will be made. It, it, it's, it's been proven. OBJ is, is absurdly talented. Dude's a ridiculous athlete. He's a great wide receiver. He's all that stuff. But every quarterback that tries to force him the ball <laughs> tends to make mistakes. Because mm-hmm. there's always some sort of communication off. It never fails. But make Stafford do that. So if you need somebody to shadow him, don't do Eli Apple because he'll get torched. Um, but somebody needs to shadow Cooper Cup and just keep keep two guys on him at all times. Make the rest of the team. Make Higby, make OBJ beat you. Do not let Cup do it. Mm-hmm. Don't let him do it <laughs> until next season when I have him on my fantasy team. <laughs> All right. And I got I got him in two dynasty leagues in which I won the championship, so I totally agree. Yeah. Right. <laughs> my second thing <laughs> is <laughs> my second thing is is attack and challenge those Ram cornerbacks. Because I don't think the Ram cornerbacks have really been challenged that much in the playoffs. Because round one, you had the Cardinals and D Hop. I don't even think he played. He didn't even play in that game, did he? They just nope. they really weren't a threat. I mean, they were all after Kyler Murray because they had no threats on the outside to worry about. Then you come up against Tampa and the GOAT, Chris Godwin, who may, actually, who may be their best receiver or is 1B to Mike Evans' 1A. He was hurt. And then Antonio Brown, the havoc he wreaked in the playoffs last year because of his issues, he's not there. So they really didn't get challenged there the way they would have had they been healthy. And then with the Niners, their best wide receivers are running back. So of course they didn't get challenged, and they don't. And he didn't want to throw the ball to George Kittle enough. So that was I, not I a challenge. Have Kittle on your team, and you don't throw him the ball. Exactly, like, he should be putting up Kelsey numbers. But that's that's Kyle Shanahan and Garoppolo. I don't want to get into that. But challenge those Ram cornerbacks, and they've got the wide receivers to do it. Jamar Chase, he doesn't give up. He goes out there and plays. Tyler Boyd, he's he kind does. of a veteran. He's been on this team the longest. T Higgins, somehow he's not fast, but he's always open. He always catches the ball. So they got the receivers to do it. And if they get their tight end back, who hurt his knee in that KC game, C.J. Uzoma, that's somebody else to worry about. And we know Mixon can catch passes out of the backfield. Challenge those corners. I agree. I, I, that is, that's actually really, really good. That's really good. Mm-hmm. All right. So the third thing for me is getting pressure on Stafford. He will turn the ball over, guys. Mm-hmm. He will. If you get pressure, that 49ers game was supposed to be over. It was supposed to be over. But your boy, what's safety's name? What's the name? Drop that interception. Uh, Jaquiski Tart. Tart dropped it. 
the interception right in his hands. It's- yep. And then Jimmy Ward had a a, a, a PI, no, a personal foul right after that. So great. Yeah. Right. So technically, your Niners should be here. They should yep. be one hundred percent here. They just mm-hmm. kept shooting themselves in the foot, mm-hmm. and they had Jimmy Garoppolo on the ball. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> you know, fl- flea flicking it um, at the wrong time. But no, get pressure on Stafford. He's going to make a mistake. He's infamous for it. He's kind of easy to read. It seems like defenses have found ways to read him in certain certain situations. Mm-hmm. Arm's still stupid. Still makes great pinpoint accurate throws. Still drops dimes. He will make mistakes. And if you capitalize on those mistakes, you win this game. And I kind of want Cincinnati to win it now. I don't know why. Well, actually, hard. I do. I like Joey Burrow. It's really hard to root against him. I mean, this this team, they're yeah, so really much is. fun, and we love it because teams like this don't come along very often that are actually successful or this successful. I can't think of a, a young upstart team like this that has played their way into the Super Bowl. I can't – I'd have to think about it. I mean, maybe that Kansas City team was a little like this when you had, you know, year two starter Mahomes, but I'd have to mm-hmm. think about it to really see if there was a team like that. But um, it's interesting. So you you your number two point was you were talking about the Rams wide receivers or Cooper Cup. I talked about the cornerbacks. Your last point, you're talking about the Rams offensive line, but I want to talk about the Rams defensive line. For Cincinnati to win this game, we know this, because every defensive coordinator, every defense that comes up against the Rams, their game plan first starts with figuring out how to neutralize Aaron Donald. So we know that that's just standard. That's already there. Yeah. But Come away from them. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, but you cannot let those other defensive linemen wreak havoc in your backfield and get to Joe Burrow like you let the Titans do. Because if you you gave up nine sacks to the Titans, but Ryan Tannehill had other plans, they couldn't win that game. If they give up, I would say four. I would set the over under at four and a half. If they give up more than four and a half sacks, they're not going to win this game. So you cannot let Von Miller beat you. You cannot let uh, Ashawn Robinson beat you. You cannot let them eat all game long even though you're neutralizing Aaron Donald. So they've got to contain those guys. This offensive line has got to play the best game of their careers because with that home crowd behind them, they're going to be after them just like they were after the 49ers in that fourth quarter when Aaron Donald lit into his defense on the sideline. Yep. So right now they have Leonard Floyd, uh, Von Miller, and Aaron Donald. Um, as high props to get a sack. They're thinking Aaron Donald and Bob Miller will get one. They're minus yep. 168 and 192, respectfully. And then you've got Leonard Floyd at a plus 130. So that means that um, they think that he's unlikely. Um, and then Trey Hendrickson, which is funny. I know the only person I know on that Cincinnati defense is Eli Apple. I have no clue who else <laughs> on that team. Because I've used and that's only because I, I've been watching him get he been he been flaming and being flamed yeah. by Saints fans over the last few days. Yeah, well, because I, because I've used the Bengals in Madden. I do know they have a few other guys on defense like DJ Reader. He's a defensive tackle. Yeah. He's like an eighty-five in Madden. He's good. Um, Jesse Bates, their safety. I think he's really good as well. They've got good speed in the in the defensive backfield. I don't really know. They don't really have any major threats as far as the linebacker core that I can think of, unless I'm missing somebody, and I feel like I am. So, I mean, they, they've got guys. They're kind of like the, the Vikings defense in a way. They've got guys that you really don't know, but they're like B to maybe B+. Plus. But when you put them all together and you give them a really good scheme, then they just disrupt you and you don't really even know how. Yeah, that's a good point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I like teams that have those unknowns that go out there and do it. So it kind of makes it hard to who to focus on. Yeah. I mean, of course, the Rams know who to focus on. But at the same time, if you got enough people contributing, psh, makes things tough. So, okay. Yeah, true. That is going to ask the preview on who should, what they need to do to win the Super Bowl. Listen to us. 
you know, <laughs> us random folks on the interwebs. We're trying to tell you how to make that happen. So, Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet, but if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of Ookla speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. All right, Jimmy. Yeah. Super Bowl's going to end, what, this weekend. At that uh-huh. point, we're done. I need to figure out where I'm going to watch the game. I need to get out the house and go watch that. I can't be stuck in the house not enjoying the Super Bowl uh-huh. um, but I guess it's time for the NBA which is funny we're doing this right by All-Star Weekend when is All-Star Weekend? It's next weekend right? Um, Yes I believe so yeah because it's the weekend right after the Super Bowl so yeah this is what's fascinating have you noticed that Valentine's Day is this coming weekend and what always happens around Valentine's weekend? NBA All-Star weekend. Okay. They push that shit back because of the Super Bowl. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the power of the NFL <laughs> to kick you out of your own home. They mm-hmm. went after them on Christmas. They just, they're well, going after them on Valentine's Day. I remember going out on Valentine's Day for dinner. We used to go, always go to a bar and uh, a restaurant we'd always go to and sit in the bar area just so that we could watch the the, the, the festivities for All-Star Weekend because it's always around Valentine's Day. Well, NFL's taking that too now. Well, they, they did. Yes, they don't care about the NBA's feelings, but it's somewhat unintentional because when you add that 18th week to the season, then that pushes it back a week, right? You didn't think that was intentional? I mean, no. Exactly. I mean, they don't oh, care. They don't, they don't care about the NBA All-Star game or their feelings, like I said. But no, that wasn't. They didn't do that with the intention of, hey, we get to take this real estate from the NBA. I don't think so. Yeah, yeah, they did. No. Yeah, they did. And I'm going to tell you why. I'm going to tell you why they did. Why this is true. They added an 18th week. They took away preseason games. Why didn't they just replace the preseason game with the first week of the season? Because they wanted to just take more real estate from the NBA. Because and also the other thing is is the other reason why is that is the opening weekend of college football and they don't want to infringe on college football's opening weekend. So with that being said, that is the exact <laughs> reason why they pushed no. it down a week just so they can steal more from the NBA, the NFL's geniuses. But anywho, there's more drama in the NBA to talk about outside no. of NFL stealing their stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um you know, now that you are joining us on the NBA League Pass train, Jay, um, we can talk yeah. about um, yeah. First, with the uh, the Lakers, you know, them being the Lakers, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Westbrook, you know, they get uh, a lot of traction as far as what's being talked about, who people pay attention to. So the Lakers, Jay, um, you may or may not know this, are currently ninth in the West with a twenty six and twenty eight record and four and six in their last ten. Uh, LeBron James was hurt with a knee issue, so he missed five games. So that was a big part of it. You know, AD has been kind of in and out of the lineup, and Russell Westbrook has played pretty bad basketball for the majority of the season. But um, they had a game this past Saturday night, the feature game against the New York Knicks in LA. And the game was a really close game, went into overtime. 
But for that overtime, Russell Westbrook was conspicuously absent yet again in a crucial sequence of the game. Uh, the Lakers did go on to win that game. But the only thing anybody wants to talk about after that was Russell Westbrook being benched, which is a conversation that he had to have two or three weeks ago when something very similar happened. So with how the season has gone so far with Russell Westbrook and maybe the issues that he causes on the floor with the Lakers, especially as we approach the trade deadline, which is this Thursday in the NBA, what do you think the Lakers should do about Russell Westbrook if he remains on the roster after the trade deadline? The same thing that they've been doing with them. The biggest problem that the Lakers had has been health. Ain't nobody, everybody ain't playing. I think is Westbrook, if I'm correct, Westbrook's the only player that's played every game this season. I believe so. If not every game, just about every game. Right. That's a problem <laughs> for your team if you think you're going to win a championship or if you compete for one. You got to have more people playing. Westbrook has played 54 games this season, started 54. He's been there every day. He's been consistent. He's done everything they've asked him of, except for he just can't shoot very well anymore. And it, we've seen that over the last few years. That's been his decline. His decline is his shooting sucks. He does everything else on the court. His shooting just sucks. Anthony Davis and LeBron James basically said to him that, dog, just keep doing you and we'll adjust. We'll make it happen. Stop being so concerned about what the outside world is thinking. They may have a master plan here. We may not know. If there's anything I'd say Westbrook needs to do, get better on defense. Mm -hmm. Play more defense. <laughs> focus more on defense. Focus less on shooting. Focus more oh. on defense. Use, use your athletic ability there. It'll change a lot for everybody, for the team. Mm -hmm. That's where their problem lies, is their defense is just bad. <clears throat> but right now, Westbrook... 18, 7, and 7 with one steal. He leads all those categories for people to have a minimum of a certain amount of games that have to be played, you know, to count for statistics. Yeah. Because LeBron's only played 37 games. And mm -hmm. James only played 33. They're both averaging 29, 23. But Westbrook is basically their leading scorer because he's been there every freaking <laughs> game. So as much as I want to rail in on how bad he plays and this is that another, bruh, mm -hmm. he's there. So for them, be happy that he's healthy and he's playing. Just find a way to mix them in when you need them. Mm. You know, I heard a, a local guy this morning, uh, Myron Patton, who does local radio here. And he brought up an interesting point about Russell Westbrook that I'm going to borrow from him because I hadn't thought about this and I hadn't heard anybody else say this. This relates to his shooting difficulties, his inability to get to the hole like he used to, as well as his defensive inefficiencies, which they're bad. They're, they're glaring. He said that maybe part of what this is, is whether it's age or previous injury, Maybe Russell Westbrook health-wise, lower body, is, is not what he used to be. He's, maybe he's oh, yeah. a little more hurt than people think. Because when you think about shooting itself, people think shooting is from the top down, but it's really from the ground up. As far as your elevation, as far as you know, timing, as far as really generating the power from the floor, from your legs first, through your body, through the shot. So maybe part of what the problem is is that. And that also affects him on defense as far as you know, horizontal lateral movement how he just gets fooled so easily. So maybe the Russell Westbrook issue is more of a health issue than people think. So that's just kind of an interesting idea. I'm not sure about that. But overall, I think the remedy for Russell Westbrook is to do what you've been doing or what you did in those two fourth quarter OT games that people talked about, which is to sit him on the bench. I think Russell Westbrook should come off the bench. I think that the Lakers actually have their third guy, their third scorer that they can depend on who gives them better defense than Russell Westbrook, and that's Malik Monk. 
So I think that there isn't a need for Russell Westbrook to be in that starting unit anymore. I think it would be easier for him to look more like vintage Westbrook and abuse second units coming off the bench. And maybe you give him some fourth quarter minutes as well. Or if there's an injury, you slide him back into the starting unit, whatever it is you need to do. But I think that he needs to go the way of Carmelo Anthony. And I'm glad Carmelo is is on this team because maybe he could help him with this in terms of transitioning to the second unit, at least while he's on while he's a Laker. And if he gets moved somewhere else and he wants to start again and he can, okay, that's fine. Right. But I think they need to bring him off the bench. I think that is the answer for a lot of their problems Ooh. that are Russell Westbrook centric. It's interesting that you say that. And I don't know what I would see out of what I mean. The whole reason why they brought him is so that LeBron and them don't have to do as much work on the offensive side. They need someone that's going to be the energizer bunny, the spark plug, yeah. to go out there and make things happen. And so, I mean, it makes sense. I totally get it. I, I can't even argue that that's a bad idea. The question is, is how's Vogel and them going to figure that out? Um, and I guess LeBron would have to be the point guard, even though they play a lot better when LeBron's the center. <laughs> I, is is. They're weird. So overall, <laughs> yeah, they they'll figure it out. As long as they're healthy, they'll figure it out enough to make it to the playoffs. Mm-hmm. When they make it to the playoffs, as Westbrook said from the beginning, it's 0-0 at that point. And so at that point, you need to just buckle down. Everyone needs to be healthy. That's the hard part. To me, the Lakers are fighting against health. They're not fighting against themselves. They're fighting against health. If yep. they can get everybody healthy and actually play a play majority of the season – and play through the playoffs, I think they'll be fine. But that's what made them lose against the Suns is they lost Anthony Davis and basically were done. Because mm-hmm. I mean, LeBron can't do it by himself with a whole bunch of people that, you know, aren't people that can take over like Anthony Davis is supposed to. This is supposed to be Anthony's team. Mm-hmm. Can't stay healthy. So that's, to me, what they need. So with yeah. that, well, yeah. So on the flip side of that, Jay, so that's the West Coast. On the East, the biggest stories always come out of Brooklyn and the Brooklyn Nets for one reason or another, usually not a very good reason. Um, they're struggling a lot too, Jay. They've lost eight, eight straight. They're currently seventh in the East, which is not so bad in the East because they're only four and a half games out of the top spot. So they're kind of really bunched in there. So they're not out of it by any stretch of the amount of imagination. I think they'll be fine. But they have a 17 and 11 record on the road, uh, 12 and 13 at home. I think Kyrie is a part of why that is as well. Currently, Kevin Durant is hurt. We know he's not going to be in the All-Star game. That sucks. Uh, James Harden missed the last game with a hamstring injury. Is creeping back up again. And there have been talks about him checking out, potentially being moved. You know, I don't think he will, etc. And Kyrie Irving, we know Kyrie Irving is Kyrie Irving it the way Kyrie Irving usually likes to Kyrie Irving. So, <laughs> so with that, um, with a lot, of, um, a lot of failures so far in this season to go around, what would you say is thus far at this point in the season the Nets' biggest failure? The biggest failure for the Nets. Mm-hmm. What would I say is the biggest failure for the Nets? Mm-hmm. Is thinking that this was going to work. <laughs> <laughs> so you said the Nets were going to win it last year. No, I, uh, yeah, for this year, yeah. The year before, so so was it 19, you said that 2020 they weren't going to win it, but they should mm-hmm. win it 21 because Kevin did not play in 19. Yes, yes. So you said 2020 was not going to be the year, got to get going, but 2021 is definitely their year. So this year was the year you said they were going to win it. I uh-huh. was in a similar boat as you. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the hell made us think 
that there was a chance that this Kyrie Irving situation was going to happen. Now, the pandemic itself has thrown a wrench, monkey wrench into all of it, and, that, and mm-hmm. Kyrie just made it easy for everybody with the whole vaccination situation to where he's playing part-time. But then they add James Harden, and to me, I was like, man, adding James is exactly what KD needs, a guy that can right. take off, take you know, take, take the ball out of his hands if he needs to or play off the ball. James is pretty unselfish in a lot of circumstances to where he'll have no problem with, you know, taking a back seat, you know, even though that was the argument that people said, oh, he's going to have an issue being back. Now, I think he likes the fact that he didn't have to carry the load no more, especially after what happened in Houston. Mm-hmm. He came to Brooklyn, and guess what happened? He's back to carrying the load by himself with nobody else. <laughs> Kevin's hurt again. He's been hurt the last five years, basically. Uh, so, to me, after the Achilles injury in Golden State, and even before that, after the Jones injury on his foot, Kevin's durability has been questionable. Luckily, with Golden State, they didn't really need him as much, and he walked in in the finals, playoffs, finals, and was able to dominate because he's just a monster of the player that he is. Their biggest issue is the fact that they're never going to all play at the same time. And since that is the case, it's time for them to go ahead and blow this bad boy up. It's not going to work. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's done. This bad boy's over. <laughs> Unless you could tell me when Kevin's coming back, uh-huh. all this hinges on him. And the biggest problem I see is that if Kevin is not back this year, well, he'll probably be back later in the year and they don't make the playoffs. And he comes back next year and not really be able to and, – and maybe play, maybe not. Kyrie's going to have an issue, and at a certain point, James Harden's going to want to get traded. Mm-hmm. That's to me. What do you think is their biggest issue? I would say their biggest failure is, um, and I, failure, I primarily blame Steve Nash for this, and that is that the defense is not good enough. Because I think that when you look at, you know, the, I don't know how far you can go back, but let's look at the previous, the champions that we've had in the last ten years. I know we had, you know, the Golden State championships we had lebron got one in cleveland got one in the championship teams that we've seen they all play defense they play really hard on defense and this Mm -hmm. nets team does not play hard on defense and i blame steve nash for that and the reason why that's important is for a time like now where you have one of your stars who's out for an extended period you have another who's constantly nicked up and like i said Kyrie's being Kyrie. but if you don't have that defense to fall back on to be the deodorant for some of the stink that has been caused whether it's stuff in the media or guys getting hurt or whatever it is, then you're not going to be an elite team. If There's no way if you play really good defense that you lose eight in a row. I don't care what team you are. In the NBA, if you show up and play hard defense, you can win 30 games that way. So a big part of their problem is that is, is that defense. So I'm going to have to disagree with you there. Okay. Um, you're not wrong that they need to play better defense, but it's really hard to play defense when you ain't got no players on your team. <laughs> which is my point is you're because you're right all the, the, the great teams that have won championships they've all been rated usually within the top 50, in the top half of the league in defense they're, they're solid defenders or they're really good or they're great defenses mm-hmm. you're 100 right there I, i'm not gonna even argue and say that you're wrong the problem with this nets team is is that ain't nobody playing Kevin Durant's played 36 games this year. Kyrie's played 12, and James Harden's played 44. <laughs> Their top player has been uh, Patty Mills, who's played 52 games. Hmm. Nobody's playing. And it's and it's a revolving door of great players and backup players that's playing. I mean, what do you expect them defensively to be with Blake Griffin out there? 
Mm-hmm. Well, I guess in a way, then that goes back to like how you said thinking that this was ever going to work. That's that biggest failure came what two years ago, two years ago in free agency or three years ago, whenever it was. So I think that still part of that, I guess part of what I'm saying relates to that as well, that, you know, you know, you've got your stars, you know, you've got your scoring and you're fine with that. Mm -hmm. But to not surround them with better defenders, which I guess Blake Griffin, he's never been known for being a great defender, would fall under that umbrella. I think that maybe this is more less Steve Nash, more front office. I think Bobby Marks is the GM that he should have surrounded them. Marks has been gone for years. Oh, who's the GM? Oh, who's the GM? I'm sorry. Who's the uh, GM? Do you know? Uh, who is the Nets GM? Let me look him up. I, All right. So that's I why you can remember. Yeah. So Sean, Sean, I'm sorry. Sean Marks. I was thinking Bobby Marks. Yeah. Sean, Sean Marks. Marks is. Bobby Sean Marks. Marks, Marks is gone. Yeah. Yeah. So that they should have put better defenders around them because that's really all you need. I mean, this team, Jay, they're having to work this season. They're having to work way too hard for victories. Their average points per game is 111.3. Average opponents points per game, 110.8. So it's like a 0. Yep. 0.4, 0. 0.5 difference. They're having to work too hard. If you had better defense, you would not be having to work too hard for these victories when you go through crises like this where you have so many guys that you need to score out of the lineup. I agree. The problem is, is that they ain't got nobody playing on the team. Joe Harris is out. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, you go down this list of injuries. Demarcus Aldridge is hurt. He's um, they, Paul Millsap is gone now. They're going to get rid of him because it just didn't work out. You got all you guys, a whole bunch of, they, you know, they look like they look like a G League squad. They look like the Oklahoma City <laughs> Thunder. And I love my Thunder, but they look right. like that without with these out the star players like mm-hmm. Javon Carter, Cam Thomas, Bruce mm-hmm. Brown, DeAndre Bimbry. I mean, a lot of these players are they're going to be good. They look like they, they're solid contributors. But who are they? Mm-hmm. Like, who are they? Like, you know who, what, who, who, they, you know they ain't nobody. You, know you We know. <laughs> maybe maybe I was wrong. Maybe I was wrong about their I mean I'm right about their biggest failure in the sense that it does matter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But maybe it started long before that. Again, going back to the time period that you said, maybe if they hadn't gotten rid of Jared Allen and Karis Levert, who I told them who I, I watched them in the bubble, I said, There's your third scorer right there. You do not need to move him. And they did it anyway. Maybe that's what it is. Because if you yeah, both hard. No, if you, yeah. the starting lineup with Jared Allen, who's a borderline all star, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and Karis Levert, who can get a bucket. I mean, this I mean, there will really be no stopping. They will be in a better spot with that roster than they would with James Harden. I mean, this team was making the playoffs without Kyrie before they got Kyrie. So, mm-hmm. yeah, you're right. They, they could have they, that, that could have been it. But I don't know. That's going to headlines there in the NBA. We'll see what I, I'm going to put it like this, guys. This will be the one of the last times I'm talking about either one of these two teams. Probably won't talk about the Nets no more. We're going to move on to the young Thunder, the young uh, Grizzlies, all the young great players that we're seeing. I want to talk about the up-and-comings, and that's the ones I'm going to focus on when I watch <laughs> well, these games moving forward. I don't care about those two. That, that, that's all drama now. That's the, the NBA's drama. I ain't care about that. I want to talk about the fun stuff like John Moran dunking on folks and talking noise and putting it up on his Instagram account. <laughs> we will have fun on this show moving forward. We're going to get out of that mess. Hold on, so that wasn't, fun? that wasn't fun for you? Because that was fun for me, Lakers and Nets. That was not fun for you? That was fun. No, not at all. Not at all. It's, it's all drama. I don't – I mean, they suck. They it's both not all drama. Are, no, it, no, it wasn't because we didn't talk about – no, it wasn't so much the off-the-court stuff. It was very much on-the-court-centric. That was very much fun. We basically have tried to fix their problems. So you're missing yeah, the fun I, out of it, Jay. They 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 have problems I don't want to fix. <laughs> I don't talk about the young Thundercats that's out there doing some things. Like I said, John Morant dunking on people. There's 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 a lot there's a lot there's a, we we talked about this last night. There's room there's room for a lot of these a lot of these NBA topics. 
But don't discount, yeah. don't discount that the Lakers can make a push. Don't discount what the Nets are going to look like when Kevin Durant comes back in March and when James Harden is still on the roster after the trade deadline. I mean, they let's not give up on the Nets yet. And the Lakers still have an opportunity to get out of that play-in spot. I've already given up on themselves. So. All right. It's your loss, man. You're going to regret it. I will. Maybe. We'll see. Jimmy. Yes, sir. Editing room floor. All right. Editing, editing room floor. Um, let's see, Jay. It appears that the New Orleans Saints have their next head coach, and that is uh, defensive coordinator Dennis Allen, who is going to take over as the head coach of the New Orleans Saints. Um, this after there was some speculation that um, I think Eric Bieniemy would potentially be the guy. I think he did interview with the team, yep. but it looks like it's going to be Dennis Allen. I'm looking for my feed here on him, and I no longer see it. But are you familiar with Dennis Allen at all? No, none. No, no, not for me at all. But they're just staying in house, um, probably trying to figure out. Mm-hmm. There's a chance that Dennis Allen is going to be doing a cleanup job only because they have, their cap situation is really bad. But the good thing is, mm-hmm. is that he's been there. He was with Oakland, uh, Oakland slash Las Vegas before 14. Um, and he's been with the Saints ever since 2015. So he's been there for a while. Mm-hmm. He's actually spent some time with the Saints before that. From 06 to 10, he was with the Saints. Um, only wow. outside. So he's familiar with the organization, which is a good thing. Yeah. I mean, if you notice, like the last three or four years, like those Saints teams, they always put out good defenses. Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah. And I think that's, I mean, he's been at the 15, it's just 15. They, they got a young defense, and they've been really good. So it might be a good thing to keep it in house like that. All right. I agree. All right. So uh, now waiting for the trade deadline, uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers and the Indiana Pacers made a trade. They essentially traded, the Pacers did Karis Levert to the Cleveland Cavaliers for Ricky Rubio, a lottery protected 2022 first round pick and two second round picks. Now, Jay, you talked about getting more into the NBA. The Cleveland Cavaliers is a team you need to pay attention to. They, under the direction of J.D. Bickerstaff, are playing some really good basketball there. They're in a playoff spot right now. I can't recall what spot, uh, fourth or fifth. But um, Jared Allen, we talked about him playing some really good borderline all-star basketball. Evan Mobley, their rookie, is a hit. Darius Garland, he's injured right now, but he has emerged as one of the better young point guards in the league. So to add a Karis LeVert to that squad, um, they could actually give some teams you know, some difficulties in the playoffs. So things are really looking up for Cleveland. I feel really good for them. The NBA is, is in great hands. That's all I need to say. Yeah. <laughs> great We've got a lot of great things happening. Yeah, so when you get it, when you get a chance, watch the watch the Cavaliers play. They play some really good sound basketball on both sides. Oh, I am. I'm gonna give them some time. All right. Cool. All right. Uh, so lastly, Jay, uh, the Pro Bowl was yesterday in the NFL. Did you happen to watch it? No, I don't watch the Pro Bowl. <laughs> I watched some of it. It was so bad. It was comedic that it was entertaining again. Oh, okay. But, <laughs> this time, this particular Pro Bowl, Jay, they don't even tackle guys anymore, like, to the ground. They just wrap their arms around them, and the ref blows the whistle. So it's more like touch football, yeah, keep, which I guess is hurt, great. Because who wants to get hurt from freaking yeah. exhibition yeah. BS football? I mean, still they still did use the tackle, but it is what it is. Uh, the AFC won 41-35. The offensive MVP was Justin Herbert, and the defensive MVP was Max Crosby of the Raiders, which they played in Allegiant Stadium there in Las Vegas. So that was pretty cool to see. And I think this makes the AFC winners of the last five Pro Bowls over the NFC. So that, that's pretty interesting. Yeah. Do you think they'll ever get rid of the Pro Bowl? 
No. But Yo. somebody made a great suggestion. What's that? Is have the 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 la- the worst two teams in the league, the ones vying for the number one and the number two pick, make them play for the for the, for the, <laughs> the number one pick. I'd watch it. I would totally watch that. But it's unfortunate for those that won't be signed that next season that they just wasted their time playing in the football game. But you know. Yeah, pretty much. But yeah, I like that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. But that's it. That's the that's the editing room floor. Oh man. Well, we appreciate y'all joining us as usual here on Unfair Sports. Please like, subscribe, rate, review. Give us five stars. If you don't think we deserve it, just go ahead and give us five anyway. Gifted. On the YouTube videos, please leave us a comment. Let us know what you think and give us your thoughts. So Mike, Bob, and Wendy, thank you so much for doing what you do best as usual. Boy, Jimmy, on the remote side. If you want to check out all our OU content, go to our YouTube channel. The third Unfair Sports on YouTube. The channel is starting to blow up. Lots of you. People love the content, talking about the commentary around the team and getting our thoughts and opinions. That's where all that's going to be moving forward. Uh, we'll post some of the videos, of course, from, from the uh, podcast also. But for the most part, YouTube, we have a ton of OU stuff on there. We're going to talk about the roster. We're going to talk about the players. We're going to talk about all kinds of crap over the next few uh, months as we prepare for spring game and for the season. So with that, we will chop it up with you all in a few days. Peace. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details.